2: Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by CoSite experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back.
1: I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Uriah here, and we also have a now reoccurring special guest. I want to welcome back Neil Hartman, Rowan University's Director for, of the Center for Sports Communication and Social Impact, CEO and slash executive producer of Tallo Media Group, and then. Uh, Neil, you said that there's something else that you wanted to add on to that introduction. Would you want to go ahead and tell the listeners what else you do?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very busy during the summer months involved with play by play Sports Broadcasting Camps. We're the largest uh, sports broadcasting camp in the country. We have, in normal summers, close to 1,000 campers all over the country, from L.A. to the East Coast. We're all over the East Coast, and uh, Dallas, Florida, Atlanta, Chicago. I was just in Chicago last week running a camp, so... Yeah, appreciate it. It's um, uh, it's something I enjoy and working with eighteen-year-olds, and it's been very, very enjoyable. So I've been doing that for five years now,
1: and that's awesome, Neil. That's that's great, and we're glad that you decided to come back and join us again. We're happy to have you during this off season. Really big off season for the Sixers, of course, with the future of Ben Simmons and everything. But I'm gonna let Chris take the lead on this one, and we're just gonna jump right into it.
4: Yeah, and again, Neil, thanks again for coming on. It's, it's a privilege for us, and we really appreciate it. But we're going to start off, of course, with some basketball talk. As always, we're going to talk about the Bradley Beal rumors that have been going around. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported that Beal could demand a trade from Washington before Thursday night's NBA draft. The feeling there seems to be that Beal is sort of on the fence, not really sure about his future with that team. And he knows if he wants to get traded, it pretty much has to be before the draft because a lot of those packages are inevitably going to be built around draft picks. Uh, so, Neil, to you first, do you think the Sixers could land Beal with Joel B? Do you think that's a possible target for them?
3: Well, look, I would think the Sixers make as much sense as anybody, but have they decided they want to give up Ben Simmons at this point? I think this might be too early for them to say yes Daryl Morey is going to say, we're going to give up on Ben Simmons. I think they would probably like one more summer to work with him and see what happens. Having said that, I saw that Boston has shown some interest, but I I don't know what teams can really do other than the Sixers by providing a player of all-star caliber of Ben Simmons. I know he had a horrible playoff. We all know that, but he is still a high caliber player and he's got some faults, no question. But I think right now, uh, the sixers could put Ben Simmons and maybe Matisse Thybul or Tyrese Maxey out there and you could make her an extremely attractive package but i personally would go after Damian Lillard over over Beal now Beale's 3 years younger he's 28 i just like uh you know put put his performance aside from game 1 in the olympics against france where he didn't score a field goal in the second half i still think Dame Lillard is is um just a massive would be a massive addition to the Sixers if they were able to pull that off.
1: Yeah, you bring up some good points. Uh there are a few other teams though that I think could make a good run at Beal if they wanted to. The Pelicans would be a name that I would think of. Uh the Blazers if they want to hold on to Damien they could build a package around CJ. The Warriors are a team to keep an eye on. They have Wiseman, they have two lottery picks and they have Andrew Wiggins to match salary. I mean that there are teams out there that could make a run at Beal.
3: Um but I mean, well, here's the thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the one thing about that is, if you're the Sixers and you're willing to give up on Maxi and Thibault, two young players that that have, I think, some value, particularly because of their age and their salary, and then you put an All Star in the mix, I think it would be challenging for other teams to be able to do that. Though, you know, you mentioned you know Wiggins and Wiseman. Well, you know, Ben Simmons has been an All Star, so you know, I think I think his his Class might be a, a grade higher than those players, despite the fact, again, that we know what he did in the playoffs. And and then if you throw in a couple of young players, I think the Sixers, my point is, I think the Sixers can make the most attractive package out there.
1: I, I think that's a fair argument to make. I, I would say maybe the Pelicans more with if they build something around maybe like Brandon Ingram, their young players and the plethora of picks that they have, thanks to the themselves, plus the trades with Milwaukee and the lakers but um you know you make a good point i think that but in terms of should the sixers try to land to pair with joel absolutely and i wouldn't even think twice about giving up on simmons at this point we i love ben simmons i know what he can do defensively what he does as a playmaker but he cannot be a primary playmaker on a championship level team as he currently is and he hasn't shown any inclination to change his game in the first four years of his career so I would totally give Ben for Simmons. Now you brought up Damian Lillard, and I guess that kind of gets into our next point, right, Chris?
4: Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Just just to your point, Neil, I, I think I'm at the point, too, with Lucas, where I would be pretty comfortable trading Ben for someone like Bradley Beal. I'm less enamored by, like, you know, the Malcolm Brogdon's and C.J. McCollum's and Buddy Heald's that have been thrown out, like like that. Those offers would give me some pause. I, I agree that the Sixers don't have to give him up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can very well wait till like the trade deadline, let him rebuild some value next season. I, he'll probably be an All Star again. He's, he's been one three years in a row, so I, I don't think they're in any rush to trade him. But I, I do think Beal is a really just tremendous player. Uh, for the Lillard point, I agree. I think Lillard is even a class above Beal. Of course, yes. But I, I think for me, it's like I, I do agree. I think the Sixers can, A, probably build the best package if they want to. And Do you pass up on a guy like Beal on the hopes that Lillard asks out? Because the Sixers are no guarantee to get Dame Lillard. We've mentioned Golden State, New Orleans. All those other teams are going to want Dame too if he asks out. There, there's no necessary guarantee that Philly can get Dame. So if you let Beal slip out of your hands and then you don't get Dame, you, you've you kind of you know whiffed, which would be my concern.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: Uh, you mentioned Boston if they don't give up Jalen Brown they Mm -hmm. I don't think they really have a package I don't Mm -hmm. really see what Miami has right now you know Tyler Hero's not that great so Mm -hmm. I I think Beal can be the Sixers if he if he asked out I I think Philly has a real chance um but yeah Lucas you said we're going to talk about Damian Lillard we we already sort of answer this question, Neil, but <laughs> just definitively, would would you rather have Dame or Bradley Beal? What what is the case for Beal, if there is one? Is there one? uh which, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I brought up Damian Lillard only because, uh, as you pointed out, he is another level, right? He's the he's he's a true super. Uh, I, I'll, I'll quote Jimmy Lanham. He's a super, right? He's a super uh and and Damian Lillard is clearly that. I think Bradley Beal is an all-star caliber player, but I think Dame Lillard is a is a game changer, I think more so than Bradley Beal. However, uh you're talking about a 3 year age difference. So, you know, you, you, you right now, I, th- I still think Dame Dame Lillard has, you know, a few good years left in him for sure.
2: Hey Sixers fans, summer is here. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawn Mower 4.0. So what's in the Manscaped Performance Package? Well, inside the package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Handle your trimming needs this summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off in free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Again, that's manscaped.com for 20% off using the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast.
3: I think Beale has some good years left in him, a number of them, probably more. And so, if you, I think you make a good point that if you have if you have a sense that – and Daryl Morey, I mean, this is what he does. He, he's a he's a trader. I mean, he knows how to make moves. And if you get a sense that you don't have a chance at getting Lillard, even though you might be more attracted to him than Beal, but realize that you don't have a shot at getting him, and you have to test the tea leaves on that. You, you've got to check your sources around the league, see what's going on. And if you feel like you can get Beal, even before you know the status of Lillard, then I think, then I think it would be a great move. Look, the Sixers get a guy like Beal, um, and you combine them with Joel Embiid. uh, That, that's a pretty good combination. And, and, and the only thing is I'm hesitant to give up on Maxi and Bible. And because now you're hurting your bench, if you've got to give up those guys for a player like Beal or Lillard. So I'm a little reluctant to do that because the bench, um, you know, it, they, they improved it this past year, but we know in the past it's been pretty, pretty thin. So you
1: make another great, some great points again, Neil. And I, I tend to agree that I would definitely go for uh, Bradley if if you know he's available versus if Dame, we don't know if Dame's going to be available. He might just decide, oh, well, you know what? I like Chauncey Billups. I like whatever trades the Portland makes in the offseason. You know, he might just decide to stay there because he is a very loyal player. Um but if Beal becomes available, yeah, you do that. And here's the other thing. You trade for Beal, you could still technically go for a trade a sign and trade for Kyle Lowry because you would still have the pieces to make that work. You would have George Hill's contract, you could have either Danny Green or Seth Curry's contract and throw in one or two young players, um you know, maybe like Shake Milton or you know, Isaiah Joe, somebody along those lines, and then boom, you have the salaries to match for a sign and trade for Kyle Lowry. And I, then you could have a a backcourt of Lowry and Beal and then have a center of Joel Embiid stature. You do that.
4: Yeah. Um I mean look, I I, I think Beal's really good. I, I, I if he's available and Lillard's still gonna wait and see, I I would be hesitant to just not try to trade for him in in the hopes that Lillard asks out and the hopes that Lillard ends up in Philly. I think think you're taking a big risk there. Mm -hmm. The Lowry thing, it's tough because Lowry would have to agree to come to Philly. There's no guarantee that he would do that. He's been tied to the Lakers, tied to the Heat. He could just go back to Toronto even. So there's less certainty there. Um, But yeah, we're going to talk about Ben a little bit more here coming up. So I, I won't step on all those points yet.
1: All right, so we're going to go ahead and, like Chris alluded to, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons' trade value as of late. Now, according to Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice, internally, team sources view a lot of the reports offering offers floated around the league as transparent attempts to lower Simmons' trade value below where it actually is. The Sixers are uninterested in packages returning multiple role players and picks in exchange for Simmons. So, Neil, let me ask you, is Simmons' trade value still in the tank one month after his horrible second-round performance?
3: Well, this is not a, a good time to trade him because teams think they're going to be able to steal him. And, you know, look, Ben Simmons has a body of work that you know what he does well, great defensive player. He has his moments when he does dominate a game. He has done it at times. But he had a bad playoff. And now's not a time to say, "All right, we're giving up on the guy." I I am ready to move on with Ben Simmons. I want to make that clear. I'm ready to move on with him. I went to Game Five with my son, and and uh, we were really disappointed. My son's a huge Sixer fan, and watching that game, I, I said, "All right, I'm done. I'm just done. I, I can First of all, just those free throws were driving me insane. So, but I'm not surprised by that Philly Boys report because teams try to do that all the time. And Daryl Morey's been around the block. He knows what to do. So he's not going to give up too quickly on a player like that just because the player had a poor playoff a month ago. He's going to wait it out. And that's why I don't think anything will happen before the draft. And I do think that they'll see how things uh, evolve over the course of the next couple of months. And if they feel like they're not getting anywhere with Ben, then, then they'll make a move probably before the start of the year. I can see that happening as well. So... I kinda I guess we're in a wait and see mode right now. So yeah. side
1: uh, hang on one second, Chris. Side note, did you know that Uriah was also at game five?
3: I did not know that.
2: Yes. I did not. Yes. You know, I was there and it, is this the game where they lost the 26 point lead? Correct. Yes, I was there and the building just it just once they lost that lead in the fourth and Lou Williams just started going off and Trey Young couldn't be stopped. The whole building, the energy left, and there was no air. It was just sucked out of the building. There was a guy up near me that was kicking his chair, and people were throwing stuff on the the court. It was was embarrassing, and I still feel the effects of it. I'm I'm sure Owen is still ticked off, too.
3: Yeah, because in that game, you know, everyone was euphoric at halftime, great first half. Third quarter, even though they still had a double-digit lead going into the fourth, The problem was it was Embiid and Seth Curry were the only offense. Mm -hmm. And when um, Doc Rivers had to change his rotation in the beginning of the fourth quarter, because the second team was just brutal, they didn't do anything. It was so stale. The offense was so stale. Seth Curry was, was terrific. And he was making jumpers and he was kind of, uh, you know, you, you kind of uh, um, hiding the fact that they were not playing well offensively other than Seth Curry really in that third quarter. And so it was a little of a mirage going into that fourth. And then, as you pointed out, Lou Williams didn't, took over. It was, you know, look, Lou Williams has that capability. And uh, that was a tough game, though. Game five was tough. Man. That was tough. Real tough game.
4: Yeah. Uh, I mean, at this point, the Sixers' ability to disappoint fans is almost an art. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm back to the the Simmons thing. I agree with you, Neil. I I think they're going to be patient. Um, If if Lillard or Beal becomes available, you know, sign me up. But as I was listening to the woj Zach Lowe special on ESPN today, and, and Woj put it pretty succinctly, like, they only have one chance to trade Ben Simmons. If they mess it up, they make the wrong trade. That could very well take them out of contention. Like, the offers we've seen floated out in reports of like Malcolm Brogdon in a first round pick or, or buddy healed Marvin Bagley and picks like, like that's just not going to get it done. That doesn't make the Sixers a better team that doesn't put them in a better position to trade for a Lillard or a Beal. Those are very, very clearly one-sided trades that benefit the team getting Ben Simmons back hypothetically. So I, I do think new report makes sense. Obviously, you know, Sixer sources are going to be biased towards Philadelphia, but I, I tend to agree. Um, you have to be patient. You can't just trade him to trade him. If a Godfather author comes in before the draft and and someone really ups the ante, then you consider it. You, there there are good trades out there that don't involve Baylor Lillard, but right now it just doesn't seem like those are going to happen before draft night. Maybe even before the season. Uh like, like, again, Ben is going to be an all-star next year. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. Like, like he's going to gradually recoup value as as teams see him impact the game in a positive way in the regular season. Short-term memory, like, people are going to forget pretty much. So, um, I, I don't think there's any harm in bringing him in into the next season and just being patient. I, I think that's a totally reasonable approach, if not the best approach. So yeah we'll see what happens but that's where i'm at
1: and you guys both make great points i do want to add a third name in there and me and chris have talked about this guy a lot already but Shea gilgis alexander is right up there with beal and damian lillard as guys that i'd be okay with trading ben for um kid has all-star potential he's already playing like an all-star he's just in the western conference so it's harder for him to get a bid Kid Special and there's been reports leaked that the Thunder are trying to trade him. If that, if they if that's true, Sixers should try to go for him. I think he would be the third player on that list. Um and I do agree that it's okay to start the season with him, but he can't start as the point guard. He has to be a forward. He cannot be the primary ball handler anymore.
3: Well think- if that's the case, you need a you need a point guard then. Yeah, you, sure.
1: you have one. You have That's, one.
3: You have Tyrese Maxey. Right.
1: And I've been a proponent of starting Maxey next year and your eye will agree with me on this too. You start Maxey, give him the reins. I think he can be an all-star in the future.
3: I, I don't know if I'm ready to give Maxey the keys to the point guard position. I, I I love his energy off the bench. Clearly in the playoffs there were some occasions when he he sparked the team and you know was a big factor in the game, but I I, I don't know if I'm ready to say okay, you know, here here you go you're in charge of the offense I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet but the way it's trending in that direction I will I will say that Lucas I want to add one other thing you mentioned another you know possible name we could throw a couple of names out there for who the Sixers might be able to trade Ben Simmons for or would be willing to trade Ben Simmons Mm -hmm. for but again I'm going to quote my friend Jim Lattam and I'll go back to 1992 uh, Lynam, uh regrets making the move although he understands he had to make the move for barkley and i'm not putting i'm not putting ben simmons in the same category as barkley barkley was clearly a better player more all, all, all well-rounded player however he would see what he said that you know you never trade a super you, you always trade a super for a super and mm-hmm. uh, barkley trade they got three pedestrian players back and and i'm not Diminishing the ability of Jeff Hornacek, who was kind mm-hmm. of an all-star-ish kind of player, yeah. he did play in the all-star game, but he was yeah. he was kind of a borderline all-star. Andrew Lang had one nothing to do with Philadelphia, and then a local guy, Tim Perry, from you know from here, from went to Temple, uh, mm-hmm. was was kind of a serviceable NBA player. So, uh, but they they never got they never recovered for that. And, and again, I'm not putting Ben Simmons in the same category as Charles Barkley, but I'm, I'm just pointing out that. You can make bad moves that can really hurt you. And, and I forget if it's you, Chris or Lucas, so we're pointing this out. You make a bad move with this with this deal with Ben Simmons if you trade him, and it can really hurt your franchise. Oh yeah. When you've been waiting this whole process period to, to try to get this type of player on your roster.
1: And that was Chris, by the way. That was um but yeah. 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 I
4: mean, like obviously losing to the Hawks was embarrassing and it should make you reevaluate things. And I, again Totally, Ben Simmons should be on the trade block. They should be looking to upgrade and move on and change things up. But at the same time, they weren't as far away, I think, as people are making them out. Like like they weren't that far away from making the finals. They they could have competed with Milwaukee. If Ben wasn't quite as bad, if Ben had been like shooting sixty percent, like his career average from the free throw line instead of thirty percent, and he wasn't totally like freaked by the end of that fourth quarter in game seven, they probably can beat the Hawks they're better Mm -hmm. than the Hawks yeah they can Milwaukee is not unbeatable Milwaukee is a very good team I think they're a better team than Philly but you add let's go back to Kyle Lowry you say you sign a trade for Kyle Lowry you keep Ben around you have Tobias and Joel still you have Danny Green bring him back like that's a really good team that can still win in the east so I I don't think you have to just trade Ben Simmons and, and panic and freak out because of one one bad postseason uh, it has to be the right move, so i, I do think patience is is really going to be key here. I think Maury is a very smart person. he's not the g m who's going to freak out. he's not out in brand, so i'm not I'm not really worried, but they, they do need to
2: be patient. so Neil and, you, and, yeah you, you took me back Neil to uh ninety two i was uh, I think I was a sophomore at Shawnee, and I remember when the Sixers traded Charles Barkley, my favorite player. And I knew who Tim Perry was. I and knew Andrew Lang was, and obviously Jeff Hornacek. And I kept, I was shaking my head. I was like, "What? Is it, is they really traded Charles Barkley for these players?" I even, you know, I I still have the uh, front page of the sports section of the Enquirer when they traded Barkley. But that's another story. But but I get your point. You, you can't, like Jim Lynam said, you want to get a super in return. I, I don't I don't think that Brogdon is a superstar, but I do think. He's a good fit for the Sixers. So, when there were some rumors out there about Indiana possibly trading him in a, a first round pick for Simmons, I was kind of on board because Simmons is, I, I don't know, he is what he is. He, he doesn't have any offensive value in a half court set. But, but, but yeah, Neil, you, you took me back to yesteryear with that story and kind of put me in a bad mood.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <What>? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to revisit that that history with. With this Ben Simmons, you know, I look mm-hmm. At that time, Barkley, you know, he kind of forced her hand. He needed to leave, and obviously he ended up being MVP in the NBA in 93 and um, went to the finals with Phoenix and all that. But, you know, you never know. I mean, Ben could leave here, and he could end up being a, a really big part of a, of a championship-caliber team. He's not your one, he, you know, your, your number one guy on a team, but he's certainly a complimentary player. And I always said that about Andrea Godala, too. Another six that went on to have great success when he left Philadelphia, because he was, he was the man here. He's a third or fourth complimentary player on a great team. And that's what he ended up being in, in golden state and worked out really well for him. So I'm, I'm a little reluctant to give up too soon on a player, particularly the age of Ben Simmons, but I I'm, I'm all ears and hearing what's out there, but I'm not unloading him easily.
1: So Neil, let me ask you this, uh, following up that question. Um, what do you think in, Im- Put it in percentage for us. The likelihood that Simmons will get dealt along with the 28th pick and other players in exchange for a star player on draft night.
3: I'll put it at like 15% on draft night. Okay. I would say by the end of the summer, it could be 40%, maybe even higher. Uh, again, I think Daryl Morey wants to have some time to figure out. Now, uh, draft night, Thursday night for <laughs> – are oh, you're going to call Hartman. What the heck were you thinking? You said 15% and they moved him, but I just don't think there's enough movement out there right now. I don't hear enough chatter about the potential of trading him right now. So I'll go
4: 15%. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair number. It might even be lower, like especially with the 28th pick and other players, unless they're trading for a Dame or Beal, it's going to be the Sixers who are getting extra players and draft picks in return. Not, not the other team. Uh, So unless it's like Dame, who who, it seems pretty clear at this point, Lillard's not going to be traded before the season starts. Beal is still clearly on the fence. He might not ask out for a trade. So unless it's one of those two players, if there is a bin trade that gets done, it's going to be the Sixers. I think who are getting extra pieces back. Uh, Yeah, that that I think you guys hit it right in the
1: ballpark. I would say between ten and twenty percent. So fifteen is fine. Um, Neil, I did write an article recently, and I would like to. Have your thoughts on it? How would you feel about a three-team trade that landed the Sixers Barron and Ingram? That would send out like uh, Ben Simmons in that. How would you feel about that? Any three-team trade, assuming the Sixers get another like really good role player along with Ingram.
3: What's Ingram's three-point shooting percentage? Um, it was, it's, it's thirty-eight. It's 30. Thirty-eight. Okay, so you were, you were close. That was good. Um, I would. I, I I don't think that's the kind of player you need.
1: What type of player do you think you want a perimeter? A Bradley player?
3: Beal or a Damian. Lillard.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I just
3: no, I, I just I think a two, a two a sh- a two guard, a true two guard, two shoot you know, a shooting guard that, that can that can really light it up. Because you know, look what, what Seth Curry was able to do in the playoffs. When you have a, a guy that can that can hit the perimeter. First of all, this NBA game is all about threes now. You need guys that can shoot threes. And, uh, you know, Seth Curry was a valuable player for the Sixers in the playoffs because he was able to hit threes. Uh, you've got a monster in, in, you know, who can both play inside and out at Joel. So I think I don't know if you want another player like a Brandon Ingram. I would rather have a, a true two guard that would be uh, in any move for Ben Simmons.
1: Well, I will rebuttal and say that. Ingram is a solid playmaker for a uh, for small forward, and he can. He's he averaged twenty four points the last two seasons. I mean, he's no scrub in scoring. Um, he's not nearly as good a defender or playmaker, but he's not bad on those ends either. And you know, he's a three level scorer, and he can be clutch. Um, so no, I'm I not, mean, I'm not I'm,
3: disputing. I'm, by the way, I, I you know yeah. was, he's a nice player, but I also think you have to take into consideration and this is what I think the good GMs do in any sport Mm -hmm. is figure out what your team's going to look like and get the players that fit their, that their roles on that team. And that, that setup, that, that, that alignment of that team that you're putting together and make sure that everybody knows their role and plays their role well. And I don't know if that, uh, this is my opinion. I don't know if, Ingram, it would fit the role that they're looking for right now. Uh, again, I think it's more, I would put more of an em- emphasis in the backcourt. Okay. And then in the frontcourt.
4: Yeah. We're going to talk about the NBA draft now that will be taking place very soon on Thursday, July 29th, just a few days ahead of free agency. Um, the Sixers currently own the 28th overall pick and the 50th overall pick. Though. Let's say they keep the pick. We're gonna talk about the possibility of them trading it here pretty soon. But let's say they keep it, Neil. What position do you think the Sixers would look to fill? There are a lot of guards projected at the back end of the first round this year. Some interesting wing prospects who might fall, a couple of bigs. What do you think the Sixers need to look at?
3: Well, let's let's use uh, like Maxi was, I think, twenty-one last year, is that right? Mm-hmm. I think he was yeah, he yep. was the twenty first pick, yeah. Twenty-first pick. Okay. So that's exactly the kind of player if you look at Tyrese Maxey he was I believe a Gatorade player of the year Uh, obviously went to Kentucky he was a big time player who I think we've all seen emerge as a as a it could be a, a strong presence on this Sixers roster and so I'm looking for a player like that that is almost a player that you're kind of overlooking a little bit. I mean, again, the guy plays a play at Kentucky, so a player like that. I was looking at the draft uh, the other day. There's there's some foreign players in there that I don't have a clue about. Um, I, I don't I don't know of any player that jumps out at me that I would say that's a player I would risk or go for. It. Again, you want to see how the draft unfolds with twenty eight, but could a player? that is deemed to be a 10 to 15 pick at the back end of the lottery, let's say, and he's just keeps slipping. And he so happens to be there at 28 for whatever reason. And that happens generally in every draft. There's a player that drops at least 10 slots. Then at 28, you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit because a 28th pick is, is you know, you're, you're just a few away from the, from the second round. There's no no guarantee that player is going to be any great shakes. So I, I think you've got to go after a player that there's a little bit of a risk involved. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you hit, you, you, you've got yourself a steal. If you miss, all right, it was 28, no big deal. So yeah. that's kind of the way I would approach the draft uh, from a Sixers standpoint.
4: I, I, I think a good name there. You mentioned Kentucky and kind of the like big high school prospect who maybe falls a little bit. This guy isn't really in the same class as Maxie. I think Maxie was a much better prospect. Maxie probably dropped about ten spots too far last year. Um on yep. that note. But yep. Brenda Boston out of Kentucky was pretty much universally expected to be a top five pick before the season. Had a pretty crap freshman year at Kentucky, only shot thirty-five percent from the floor. So there are very clearly concerns there. But this is a guy who a lot of people had like battling Cade Cunningham for the number one spot, six seven, very smooth athlete. Still a lot of potential there. 28 may be a bit of a reach, but he's if they're going to go for that big upside swing late in the first round, which I think is totally justifiable, I I think that's a name to watch. Um, Bones Highland, Miles McBride, there there are a lot of good guards there that should be around the 28th pick. So I I do agree, Neil, that I I think the guard class particularly is just too strong not to pick a guard. Um, there, There are a few wings like if Zaire... Williams out of Stanford falls or if Trey Murphy falls from Virginia, then then you maybe take a wing, but I, I think it's probably going to be a guard if they keep the pick.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say guard too. Um, I like McBride. Like Chris said, I like uh, Joel Ayaya. I like I like Cam Thomas. I like Trey Mann. I think having another scorer off the bench, especially in the vein of uh, Thomas and Mann would be great because the Sixers bench just needs more scoring. Um, and they're both combo guards, which I kind of like to play next to Maxi. Um so yeah, I mean the Sixers have options. I this is a guard heavy draft. You're not really gonna get any big men until you get into like the mid to late second round, and you can use the second round pick on getting a developmental big man, and we'll talk about one of the Sixers developmental big men here in a minute, but um you know, I I, I would say probably I, I would say
4: more likely that it would be a guard in this guard heavy draft i'll pose another question to you neil uh you mentioned tyrese maxi earlier are there any names specifically that you have looked at that you would say could maybe fit that bill a guy you think might drop who makes a lot of sense on paper for philly who who can maybe be the tyrese maxi of this year's draft
3: well I, again i'll just go with man only because i saw you know, a few mock drafts. Uh, now, he would have to slip just a hair, I think, to fall to 28. But if if he were available just because of his sh- pure sh- shooting ability, uh, that would be a player that I would kind of throw out there. It seems like the type of player that I'm talking about that um, has the opportunity, a you know, big upside, and maybe could help the Sixers just, again, because of his shooting ability. So uh, that's a name I would throw out there, um, You know, Trevor Mann.
1: I see Trey Mann as like a six-man-of-the-year type of guy, kind of like a Jordan Clarkson, Luke, Lou Williams. He's not really a point guard, but he's not really a shooting guard either. But I like him for what the Sixers need off the bench, which is scoring, and he can do that. He kind of plays uh, – he he has weird athleticism. It kind of reminds me of Kyle Anderson's like slow motion in some ways when I've seen his highlights. But I, I do like Mann. I think that would be a nice fit if he were to drop to the Sixers. I think that's possible.
4: Yeah. And I'm just looking, I have my draft board pulled up um, at 15. I have Cam Thomas. Who you mentioned Lucas, Sharif mm-hmm. Cooper, 16, 17, Jaden Springer, 18 Trey man. Like all those guys could very possibly drop to 28. I don't know if I would count on it, but one of those four could very well drop. I think man has been kind of hanging around the Sixers range a lot. And a lot of mocks that I've read recently, Neil, mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot. If, if Cooper, somehow drops the 28 he's probably one of the best game managers playmakers on the board if you're going to trade ben a guy who can just set up and run the offense like cooper could could do a lot of good jane springer's probably one of the best glue guys out there uh so there are a lot of names to to watch that i think could maybe drop further than they should
1: and we'll we're going to talk about a free agent of the sixers now this guy's gotten a lot of slack here on our podcast but we're going to you know, talk some good about him today. Uh Apparently Dwight Howard is putting in the work this off season and not just on the game that he already has, but guys he's trying to extend his range <laughs> and there is videos floating around on Twitter of him shooting three pointers. So let me ask you this, Neil, although Howard didn't have the best playoff performance for Philly this past, you know, post season, if he developed a three points shot,
3: is he worth really resigning? Uh, you know, as a backup, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of indifferent on it. Honestly, I think you know he's he was at times he he offered some 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 good minutes off the bench. I'm a little you know, his his temperament is a little concerning at times. Um, but you know, look, he could be, you know he's he is a presence in the middle, a decent rebounder not the greatest shooter, but I, yes, I've seen that video of him shooting threes. And uh, I I don't, I don't see him, but it's just like, I'm a little hesitant to really jump on that bandwagon because I saw Ben shooting all these threes last summer. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, what did that do? You know, these NBA players, you know, they love shooting threes. Like when, when Joel was hurt the first couple of years, I I saw him shooting threes all the time. And I'm like, he's never going to do that in a game. And then boom, all of a sudden he did. So that's a little bit of an aberration to see a player do that and practice at that level and then go into a game and do it. Um, but if, if Howard can give him a three or two here or there, I mean, again, I don't I'm not really looking for Dwight Howard to be shooting threes. But he's he's I don't know what other backup center is gonna, you know, he's a he's a decent backup center. I, I would I would not be reluctant to re sign him if I were Daryl or bring him back if I were Daryl Morey.
2: Hey, look, yeah. wait, Chris, before you slay this question, just know that, I mean, it's the offseason. We've covered Ben Simmons ad nauseum. We've covered the draft. I'm scrounging up. I'm thinking, all right, I need some content. And I see I see Dwight Howard shooting threes. I'm like, yes, we're going to put this in the podcast. And by the way, Chris, he could be the next Brooke Lopez. That's all I'm uh, saying.
1: Oh, you That's stole that I'm point saying. from me. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. <laughs>
4: Look, Dwight's never going to shoot a three consistently in the NBA. I would be genuinely shocked. Uh, like, you need touch to be a good shooter. Dwight has none of that. Um,
3: no, nor would you want him to be shooting threes. He's my last offensive yeah. option. If he shoots exactly. a three, it means the shot clock's at one or two.
4: Yeah, look. I, yeah, you don't want Dwight shooting threes. Um, is he, like, okay to bring back? Sure. Do I want him being, like, the only option behind Joel? No, I don't really think he can play in the playoffs at this point. He sort of got played off the floor two series in a row, especially against Atlanta. Um, well, he should have been played off the floor. He very clearly wasn't. Uh, he, he should have been off the floor. Is more like it. Um, yeah. Look, I I think there are probably going to be better options that you can get for like the veteran minimum. There, Dwight has one good skill, like consistently good skill at this point. And that's his rebounding. Which, like, all credit to him, he's an elite rebounder still, but he's he's really not a consistent defender he can protect the rim but he's just as likely to pick up a foul as he is a block and like offensively especially if ben is still around it's just such a mixed bag with him at this point that you can't really rely on it so i don't think he's going to develop a three that's game ready in the nba like like every nba player is a better shooter than you and me like (laughs) everyone can hit an open gym three. You mentioned Ben, Neil, like we've seen all the videos of Ben Simmons, like hitting pull-up jumpers in scrimmages, and scrimmages that, that clearly hasn't translated yet. So count me among the skeptics as, as far as the Dwight Howard three point renaissance goes. But if he's like the third string center, that's okay. But I don't, I don't think he should be the only backup center. So
1: your eyes told my point. I was going to allude to, you know, he might be able to come Brooke Lopez, but Seriously, let's not be kid ourselves. Dwight's been trying to launch threes on a consistent basis since like his days back in Orlando. um It's just that Stan Van gunning never allowed it. um so I got some stats here, guys. This past season for the Sixers. Dwight made attempted twenty three point. you guys wanna guess how many he made two, five. he made five he made 25 percent of his three-pointers on his career he has made 14 out of 88 (laughs) it's not going to change it's not going to change like chris said it's not going to change um i like chris said and i've written about it in the past dwight can be brought back as a third string center he's great for the team's chemistry in the locker room obviously we saw that but as a consistent backup, no, but could you play him in spot minutes in certain matchups? Sure. That's what the Lakers did. That's the thing. I think the Sixers messed up because they only had one playable backup center and White. I mean they had two in Tony Bradley, but then they traded him, which I'm not a, you know, I, I miss Tony Bradley, obviously. But like, you know, with the Lakers, he he and JaVale split time and just depending on who had the better matchup.
4: I, I think we have evolved past the point of needing like a slow lumbering seven footer to play backup center. Like use Ben, use Tobias, do something creative. Like like there were other small ball options that Philly could have experimented with that they just didn't. And I I think that's you, you why know, Dwight was on the floor in the playoffs, because they had uh, just never tried anything else. But I I don't you know. Think it's it was inter-
1: the best it, Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Chris, because I was about to ask Neil. Would you let him sign elsewhere and give Paul Reed a shot as the primary backup?
3: Look, I watched a lot of Delaware Bluecoats. Uh, my main job at Roan University, we broadcast the Delaware Bluecoats games, So I saw a lot of Bluecoats games this year. And Paul Reed had a great year, you know, player of the year in the G League, which is no small feat. That's a, not an easy lead to win the MVP. It was terrific all season. The Sixers uh, only but- MVP this year? yeah <laughs> and he was also rookie of the year when he came into the g league too so uh-huh. um you know good good young player but at 6'9 i'm not sure if that seemed me be a little undersized as a backup for uh, joel Embiid. that would be my initial thought on that but he's a nice young player that could i think at some point find a role on the sixers team but i would probably favor a veteran big man instead of um uh, Paul
4: Reed yeah I like should they sign a veteran and probably do do I want him to get all the backup center minutes yes um, <laughs> I'd really enjoy it just just but Chris
1: is, Chris is a, a diehard Paul Reed fan by the way yeah, yeah.
3: Look, well I, you'd, be, you'd be happy to know a friend of mine uh taught him at DePaul and uh you shared some stories of Paul Reed he's a nice young man I will say that he's a nice young man um so and and look he had a great year um but I think he's a little bit of a project you know until you'll start seeing him any extended minutes in the NBA.
4: Yeah. So you
3: think, think he's can. more of a power forward than a you I do. don't think, Okay. I do. I think he can get away with it in the G League I don't think you can get away with it in the NBA.
4: Okay. Interesting. I I mean I think long term especially if he can add a little bit more muscle I I think he makes sense as like Kind of a versatile small ball five sort of thing because he can hit those like trailing threes in transition, do some pick and pop stuff. Like I, I think the skill set is there for him to kind of be a modern five. I do agree. I think he's a bit of a project. He's probably not going to be ready next season. But in like all seriousness, he, he was G League MVP. He's a very good prospect. He, no question. Should but I'll say dropped. this,
3: Chris. The one thing the 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 bigs today, you're you're pointing out how he can step out and hit a three for sure. But today seven footers hit threes all the time. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I'm watching the team final today in the peach league basketball final. You mean, you know, you got uh, Derek Lively is one of the top recruits coming into college basketball and and he's throwing up threes. I mean, these guys, it doesn't matter. Seven footers throw up threes all the time. So, um, you know, that's, that's just the nature of the way the game's evolving. I
4: think think what could be special about Paul is that he's, Probably a lot quicker than those guys. He can beat you know, him off the dribble. He can switch yep. around on defense, go the perimeter. I think that's really where he has the potential to be special. Um, but does he have the
1: strength to do it? And that's why, that's why um, Doc Rivers said he wasn't ready for center minutes on the NBA level last year. Oh, yeah, yeah he, he, he not, definitely wasn't not. last year.
4: Um, he, he needs to add muscle, I agree. I don't think he's going to be getting minutes a ton this season. But should not have been like the 56th pick or whatever he was, fifty eight last season that that was quite the fall for him um I think if we do a redraft right now a lot of those teams mid late first round are probably looking at Paul Reed like I think he's a real talent so I I think the Sixers lucked out there and I mean it really was like the quintessential Daryl Morey like get the long toolsy guy who has some versatile like maybe will take a while like he was very much a Daryl Morey pick. I think he's going to be a good player. So I'm, I'm excited to see how he progresses.
2: All right, everybody. We're ready for our social media question of the week. And the poll question was this. What did the Sixers do with the 28th pick on draft night? And 85% of the people who participated in the poll said they should package it in a trade, while only 15% said we should use it on a good prospect. Neil. What's your take on the poll question?
3: Yeah, I just don't think you're going to get anything of value with that 28th pick. Uh, You know, it's going to take a lot more than that 28th pick. I mean, yeah, you're packaging it with, you know, if you're if you're trying to get some of those players that we talked about earlier, Beal, Lillard, whatever. um, You know, that 28th pick's not going to have a lot of value in something like that. So. I'm I'm going to, I think I would take a shot at trying to draft someone at 28 and see if I can find a sleeper. Yeah. Look, if
4: they can get like a serious upgrade in the rotation, if they can flip like George Hill on the 20th pick for, let's say Terrence Ross or Robert Covington or something, Covington would be like the super ideal. You'd need more than that. But if they can get a really good role player using the 20th pick, I'd be all for it. I, I think given their mandate to contend next season, it would make sense. But like you said, Neil, the twentieth pick on its own probably doesn't have a ton of value. Uh, we've seen the reports now that Utah may be looking to move off one of their role players, like Joe Ingles, for cap relief. But I don't know if the Sixers can really provide cap relief. Um, so I, I think there's pretty good reason to keep it and try to get an impactful young guy. I think there are a lot of good players who could be available late in the first round who would be worth taking and developing and could even contribute as early as next season. Um, so it would depend on what's out there. If there's a good enough player, sure. But I, I'm, I'm not trading the pick just to trade it.
1: I mean, yeah, if, it, if the right trade comes along, obviously you package. And I did initially, you know, push the trade it, but like it has to be for something of value. And you don't usually get a lot of value with those picks um, in trades by themselves. I mean, heck, if you play two, NBA 2K, you know that those picks might get you like a guy on like evan turner's level and yes i played my gm way too many times um but no i mean yeah you you try to you get a cheap guy because guess what eventually the sixers are going to make a big time move they're going to trade all their or most of their picks and they're not going to be able to develop a lot of guys via drafting or sign you know add players to the roster via drafting so you want to get the guys now before you end up trading away most of those picks.
4: So, yeah, that's that's well, where I stand on it. I, I do think the counterpoint to that is that they're a contending team. Doc Rivers is going to want to play veterans if he has them. They have Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, and, you know, Paul mm-hmm. Reed, all these guys who could probably be worthy of a look next season, maybe not regular minutes, but worthy of looks. So at some point, you maybe just have too much young talent. You know, Shake Milton's going to be around. Furkan might come back maybe there's really not room to develop a guy. If you can get, again, like someone you're confident is going to be a rotation-level player, then sure. But if that's not the case, then there's no harm in rostering one more rookie. Um, yeah. Again, because a lot of these rookies, I think, fit really well Um, on, on paper. So I, I think there are guys that are worth it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Chris, I think it's time for you to play us out, man.
4: Yeah. Um, Neil, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. If if you want to just let our listeners know again where they can follow you, what you're working on, stuff like that, you know, go for it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. On Twitter, Neil Hartman TV, and uh, uh, you know, I'm happy to uh, talk Sixers anytime. Been following the Sixers here in Philadelphia since 1989, so it's been a long time. I've seen a lot of the ups and the downs, a lot of downs. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by, you know, Joel Embiid and, and his ability to, you know, maybe lead this team to, um, you know, kind of do what Giannis did and, and lead this team to a championship. I, I think they have the, the possibility of doing that, but he needs some, uh, some more pieces. and hopefully uh, we see more of that happening in the in the not too distant future um again i'm at rowan university if you're thinking about sports communication we've got a thriving program over 260 students on our program now we're only will be three years in the fall so it's uh, been a really enjoyable uh, opportunity for me to be mentoring a, a lot of young students who have interest in in this industry and then play by play sports broadcasting camps playbyplaycamps.com is where you can check it out and uh, same on Twitter and Instagram and all that, with that camp. And then my business, uh, Telemedia. We'll see if I'm able to land a project that I'm working on right now. Uh, not easy selling TV shows, but uh, enjoy doing it. And hopefully we'll be able to land one here real soon. But thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Lucas and Chris. And uh, Uriah, thank you. It's been a, been a lot of fun.
4: Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. And good luck, of course, on that project. And to all our listeners, as always, we really appreciate you giving us the time of week to talk to Sixers. Um, Please, you know, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a rating. It would really help us out. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, Google Play. Or you can just listen on our website at com and follow us on Twitter at sixerscents. Um, I guess our next podcast is probably going to be post-draft on Thursday. We'll see if any big trades have gone through, if the Sixers do or don't use that pick. We'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. Uh, But until then, everyone, thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you later in the week.